0: Hey, you're listening to The Table Sessions with us the table tournoons. I'm Kenny.
1: I'm Joe. I'm Molly. I'm Toby. I'm Doug.
0: Each month, we're going to have a guest join us at the table to talk about music and have an all-round general laugh. So sit back, open a beer, and enjoy the crack. Hi and welcome to the table sessions. How's everybody been doing, guys? He's well. Good, thank well, you, Kenny. Yeah, yeah not bad. Thanks, man. Quite, quite happy. Quite quite happy, Doug. Quite happy. Not fully happy. Quite is in the sense of
1: yeah. I'm, I'm
2: quite happy, Kenny. I'm oh, quite
0: good. happy. Oh, no, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Well, we've got a special episode this uh, this month. Um, we're we're going to be doing somebody that's not quite a musical artist, but uh, an actually, but still a massive part of the Leicester music scene. I think. Um, I think you guys would agree with that. Uh, And We're going to hear some of his stories and and some of the the funny stuff he's been up to and what he's been doing since he started in music. But before we do that, guys, has anybody been out, seen any gigs recently, anything interesting to see? It's been a a
3: while since our last podcast. I went to see Paolo Natini two weeks ago at Birmingham Institute. That was good fun. Oh, good, okay. Yeah, yeah, from what I can remember of it, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good, and it's the first time I've been to Birmingham Institute as well. So It's, it's good venue. It's a great venue, it's a yeah. massive venue. It's got
0: a number of different uh, stages, if I remember, really. Yeah, yeah,
3: force. Well, it's yeah, same as all of the O2s around, The same mm-hmm. as the O2 in Leicester, you know, they've got a smaller venue and a bigger venue, but yeah, it was good, and he was good as well. Yeah. Uh, I didn't quite catch the support act, because the queues were so massive to get in, unfortunately. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to uh, to say to update from last podcast was we were talking
0: about the music in Leicester um, website. It's not .com. It's .uk. So apologies to everybody who's <laughs> been typing musicinleicester .com and and not getting the uh, <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> the joking. content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After all our promotion as well, we were given given there. So yeah, .uk. What do I want to say, Well it's, it's my error
3: I'll take on board okay. maybe you should say the whole website address now just for clarification clar- clarify yeah. again
0: ok so it's not music it's www do you want the https yeah so of okay. course
1: https backslash backslash dot, dot, slash, slash. don't dot. miss your colons don't miss the Colon yeah. backslash backslash right, ok so from,
0: <clears throat> from that point once you've done that yeah. www.musicinleicester.co.uk where you can find all the latest gigs and reviews and i got a, a quite comprehensive gig listing on there as well. If you were to type music in Leicester into a generic search engine, for example, would yeah. it just come up? I imagine it probably would, but I've also typed music in ge- uh, Leicester into generic search engines, and it comes up all the gigs in Leicester oh. independently of that website.
4: So it has to be that full address then? That would probably be the best what, what was it
0: again? I think it is, and again, you may quote me differently on this, but it's HTTPS. Mm-hmm
1: semicolon Col- colon, not colon semicolon no, I'm okay, that's not going to work oh, fell. We're, w- we're working hard to stamp out misinformation on the internet and we here are. you are mixing up colons and that's and,
0: uh, uh, misleading people you know just it's it's worse colon. than Elon fucking Musk and worse than the UK government made for misinformation <coughs> <coughs> hashtag satire uh, that's saying something there HTTPS colon colon backslash backslash yes uk. thank mm-hmm. you Okay. Thanks, know, no. So, from, from now on, that's where you go to if you want um,
1: your up and coming gigs, your reviews, etc. Other websites are available. Other websites are available, but they won't be uh, as good. <coughs> you can get ones about Formula One motor racing, um, caravans, you know.
0: I imagine at this point, there's a wide range of interests. There's, there's, there's a few websites now available online that cover a vast majority of different things. I'm teams really only, only interested in interest. Formula One motor racing and caravans. <laughs> or, or or is it, more it. racing caravans? No, well, why would I do that? I think that would be quite interesting. the do you know how dangerous that would be. But, yeah, but, it'd, but be, it'd be incredible, though. They always there. hold you up on the, the moorway. It's I'll the Yorkshire the
2: marketing site, as well, isn't it? What's this? eBay.
0: eBay, right,
2: okay, we're going there No, eBay Yeah
0: Elongate the E Oh, no, I get it, I get it, it just wasn't that funny Oh, no, you did, I was trying (laughs) to get you to
2: say it, I was trying to get you to say it properly okay, I don't do accents Your understanding is given, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't don't do accents, that's that's Doug's job, you know, Mysterio here Yeah. Man
1: man, 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 man of a thousand voices
2: (laughs) All of them sounding like you That's what they call me on the street Or
1: Matt Berry, as we found out, all of them sound like Matt Berry Yeah. Yeah, yeah They all sound like someone doing a bad impression of
0: Matt Berry. A bad impression of Matt Berry is a good impression of you, though, probably. me. <laughs> so I hear. Um, but so nobody else has been in it. Just, just Ollie has been taken. Like, you I went yeah. to the Mary Warpers
2: last week. Mm. That was fun.
0: You don't mention that. Have you? The Mary Warpers.
2: I made it for the last two tracks.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ollie came in first. I didn't want to interrupt him. All right, okay, mm-hmm. okay. So tell us about the Mary Warpers then, Joe. They they were a lot of fun. We tried to convince them to come out of us afterwards and they were going straight back to their hotel. So they
0: weren't that much fun then? Well, no. It's all bravado and show for the yeah. stage. Some people
3: call that professional, but
0: you know. <laughs> we just call that lame because you're not that professional. <laughs> I mean, well, you know,
4: if you. Offered the chance to go to Leicester's Premier mm. sort of home away from home for the, the Marylanders, and think, why would you not want to go? Well, I think done. they even
2: refused the generically labelled tonic wine as well. They did they? They, yeah. they
0: refuse the generically labelled tonic wine. Which part of Northern Ireland are they from? Derby. Yeah. <laughs> Donegal. They're
4: from
2: Donegal And they and they don't do the tonic. No, they weren't. They're from Donegal, which is right on the border. So, mm. and they knew about it when I pulled the bottle out. They, knew they about just it. didn't want to partake. They just didn't want to partake. You know. And they weren't interested. in giving seeing... Irish people a bad name. Yeah.
0: They yeah. weren't interested in seeing the highlights and lowlights of Leicester. No. No. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. So we
4: made our own friends at Duffy's instead. Yeah. Yeah. We'd come
2: all the way from Northampton. Northampton, yeah. All the way. Yeah, especially yeah. for the gig, and they ended They'd up at walked, Duffy's. So <laughs> yeah. it was a long way. had yeah. a very yeah. sing-song
4: yeah. sort of accent, you which did I did enjoyed it, a day. lot. Oh,
2: Liam was his name Liam McGuinness or something He it was close yeah Can't something remember. like
3: that who was support
4: I don't know I didn't it's get there for that right. oh, okay. yeah, I was late yeah. finished work and then went straight there
0: although what I would say guys if you do get a chance to see the support acts please do so because um, mm. that would really help us because that's awesome. normally us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always a braids and never the braid but uh, yeah, So definitely check out the support bands when you can I'll endorse this yes. <laughs> too yeah, yeah. We've got a new section as part of the show because these, these stories that I keep getting from Joe are quite vivid and detailed and interesting So this week we're going to start and we're going to have to come up with a theme tune for this at some point but for the time being we'll just call it what it is This section is called Joe's Roadside Finds. So Joe, in your travels on your days off what have you picked up recently? This week What, this week? Last week?
4: This week, Kenny, I have mostly found surfboards.
0: Surfboards. Mm -hmm. And tell us about how you came across said surfboards at the side of the road. In great detail? or For those people who are interested, but who also collect things from the side of the road, (laughs) go into into as much detail as you could prepare to. to Well,
4: I I stopped in a lay-by. Yeah. because uh, my friend that I was with decided that he wanted to go to the toilet. Okay. And there wasn't a toilet because we were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So a lay-by, unfortunately, was the closest thing to a toilet. Yeah. In the lay-by was an electrical box that powered something somewhere. Okay. And next to the electrical box were two surfboards.
3: What area were you in?
4: Uh, it was quite mountainous. Right. So the surfboards didn't make any sense. Oh, right, okay. I, after he told me that the surfboards were there, I called him a liar, as you would imagine. And then he I think this is lifted a one point, of the surfboards yeah. up and threw it in my direction. Right. Okay. And then I had no choice but to believe. Do you now own surfboards. said surfboards? They're in the garden. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and have
0: you used, said surfboards? Given that Lacehouse street landlocked, it is quite landlocked. Is. I haven't had
4: the chance, I'll no. be honest. You're
0: waiting for the snow.
4: I am, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm banned from the wave pool at Beaumont Lees right. Legis Centre, <laughs> so unfortunately I can't take them there. Okay. But I hope to use them in the future.
0: Yeah, well, perhaps, maybe one day, I mean, do they claim it?
4: You know, mm, well, I, know. I
2: mean, get yourself decent wet you and go up stony stone. And...
4: Could do, It's not really wavestone. And it's but, also but, well, with, uh, You get yourself was... an
2: outboard, or three, power them up, and then... I
4: think that becomes a whole different sport then. though. No, it's not surfing, is it? We well, could invent one, then,
2: couldn't you? I could do
1: motor yeah. surfing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I don't mean put the outboard on the board. Do you mean strap it to my back? No, just <laughs> stick it at a suitable point. Wait for it, power them up. That'll create waves, I and mean, then you can ride the wave out. Maybe you should take one to a gig and go literally crowd surfing. Yeah, it's Literally crowd surfing.
0: Yeah. We don't get yeah. a lot of people at our gigs, so it's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we could,
3: we could play a thing to wipe out. Crowd surfing's not really a though, thing it, now, though, is it? You get chucked up. out of venues for you doing it, do, yeah. don't you? I mean, yeah, it's
0: encroaching yeah. in people's personal space, which I think is... Boundaries, uh, mate. Yeah, really like found upon these days. Well, OK. Not
1: like when we were kids.
0: We, it was a rite of passage, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Crazy.
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, I never went crowd surfing, but my first go in the mosh pit was when I went to see the Manor Street Preachers at De Montford Hall in 1996. And um, everyone was down the front moshing, it was fantastic. Mm. And in the time it took them to play repeat, mm. I was hit by two
2: bowls of piss and a lit cigarette.
0: Wow. And that's why we don't do
3: crowd surfing. Those
2: no? were the glory days. Oh, I, mean, I blame <laughs> Jack back for the uh, lack of crowd surfing these days because. You a know, beginner school of rock. He tries it. Yeah, and no one and catches he, him. And nobody catches him. Falls yeah. flat on his face. And i think thinking everybody found that hilarious. So, so now that's nobody's doing it anymore. Yeah. I,
0: I I blame personally the the lack of attendance at gigs these days because people are not buying tickets in advance, and so when you try and crowd stuff to three people, it uh, just doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work at all. No. <laughs> when there's more floor than there is people. There's not much point. Yeah. Unless yeah. you've got a surfboard. <laughs> Unless you've got a surfboard.
3: Well, there you, then, you go. Yeah. You've found the, the, the solution to a problem. I might have to take the fins off, though, because of
4: course. Right my public liability insurance. Yeah, yeah. and of course that. you're going to have to wear a
0: wetsuit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of complications <laughs> in this, I see. And and Barry, you've been busy recently. I noticed uh, Joe was telling me you set up an OnlyFans page to help yes. get a bit more money in.
2: Yeah, OnlyFans. Yeah. yeah. Um, you compare with extractor
0: fans, heating fans. It was a bit.
2: It was a bit, <laughs> you know, facetious on me really, because I don't have any fans. Never had any fans. Never will have any fans. So it's you know, just shows willing to the right people that I've done it but I don't think it's going to earn me dollar $1, one.
0: Well, like I said, I think you missed the type of fans and the type of page there it was. Um, well, it's almost like compare the Mirka here. We were just comparing types of fans. Stand fans, pedestal fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. extractor fans, right, right, fans. Yeah.
1: Those Dyson ones
2: without blades. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we could get and, excited with those kind of fans. You know, I mean, there is a video of me in uh, Haymarket toilets dipping my hands in and out the Dyson. You know, um, I'm wow. sure that's really going to go down well. The, with... the blade they are pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. But like I said, it's, uh, i think that's a different type of only fans,
0: completely. Yeah, probably. You know.
2: Some would see more Probably somewhere, somebody in Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> who would probably, you know, sign up for it. You know. Yeah. You know, or you know, somewhere in the deep south, maybe of America, where they use fans quite a lot, you know, potentially air conditioning enthusiasts. (laughs) Albuquerque, Albuquerque, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. the the Albuquerque Air Conditioning Enthusiasts Club. Mm. Yeah, they're all subscribed.
1: (laughs) It's a huge community on Reddit, (laughs) tens
0: of thousands of them. As far as I'm aware, Albuquerque is a big place, so I imagine there would be maybe not tens of thousands, but at least three or four. You'd be surprised. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's all them hot dogs and jumping frogs or so, isn't it? That's yeah. the problem with the place.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we, da- we digress, guys. We digress. Because Wasn't he we've from Sunderland? Paddy McAlew. Wasn't he from Sunderland?
2: Something like that, yeah. He's
1: not going to need a fan. It's fucking freezing up there.
2: Yeah.
1: I've been on a night out in Newcastle.
2: But he was singing about Albuquerque any... at the time with the hot dogs and the jumping frogs, though. So from the you point know, of view that. of a
1: man in Sunderland.
2: Well, possibly. Perhaps he's a dreamer. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, dream you, you know wide open spaces that are landlocked. Yeah.
1: do yeah.
2: yeah. you, you, you need a couple knowledge. of
1: surfboards? Because we not has
2: Well, you know, I'll see if he wants to rent them off Joe. <laughs> For sale, actually. So you're
4: welcome to buy one if you
0: want. And, and that, that that extends to the people that are listening, obviously. <clears throat> if anybody's interested in a
1: couple of surfboards.
2: So they get a, a TTT graphic with it. Of
5: course not. No.
1: Be sure be yeah. Being able to live out the California dream in your own garden is enough they don't get free merch <laughs>
4: nope you personalised do you not see the
2: budget we're get in... a few more quid for personalised shit these days
4: they can pay extra for it I'm happy to do it now <laughs> as long well, as long I you would love to it... make the stencil yeah. <laughs> as long yeah. as long as mean it's, just it's a, all cost spiral, you know
1: to add to the invoice mm. really we're in a serious depression yeah. I saw Jeremy Hunt on the news well, look, at lunchtime. Look, just learn so to easy.
2: breathe. Get outdoors more. Go to the woods and learn to breathe if you're in a serious depression. Buy a surfboard from
1: me. <laughs> oh, buy a surfboard yes. from Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, and then ponder right why
2: you did that. and then yeah. have buyer's remorse. <laughs> I'm surprised
0: why that makes some don't <laughs> be We're in a serious depression. Yeah, why have you got one when you
2: or? can have two. The, the closest I'm gonna
1: to get to the California beach dream is Rutland Water, and that just isn't the same. <laughs>
2: no waves again. No, no waves. No. Well they can be on a rough day actually. Yeah. Mm. It gets windy. Been out there on a the camera around once time it was a bit choppy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm. Well we dig- we digress, fellas, because we've got we've got a special guest today on the <laughs> on the show. I say today, tonight even. Um, and this person, like i said say at the beginning, uh, is has been on the music scene for many, many years. Is synonymous with the Leicester music scene. Um, all the venues that we have here in Leicester, he's either been in one doing the sound or been in one having a pint, whichever. Sometimes both. Sometimes both. Generally both. both. Yeah. So today, uh, without further ado, people, we have Ollie Pitch. How are we doing,
3: Ollie? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm proud to be a guest on uh, on the table sessions. Yeah. Well,
0: we couldn't get anybody better, so we thought, <laughs> yeah. that, as soon as you're in the back... I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll do. But in all, in all fairness and in all honesty, um, like I said, Ollie, you know, you're know you a massive part of the music scene, um, you've been in this for many years, but we wanted to get a bit of flavour. What we do in the show is we generally ask people, you know, how did they get started into the music and you know, what kind of got them influenced into that. So for you yourself, I know we've spoken about it in the past, but you've mentioned that you didn't go to college or anything to do music, and you, you just fell into it, didn't you?
3: No, yeah. Originally, I was at college doing a media course. I was at Loughborough College doing a media course, and the first part of the course was a journalism sec. Uh, sorry, was working in the um, local radio station. Yeah. Uh, at the at the Loughborough Uni, so me and my friend had a radio show there, and I learned how to use the equipment there. Um, and then it kind of moved on to the journalism side of it and i thought this isn't really what i want to be doing to be honest with you um so very recklessly i uh bailed out the course left and uh started to pave my way on the music scene and i decided i wanted to be a a live sound engineer really because i was kind of a bit geeky and i enjoyed using the equipment I i love music you know this was in the mid 90s and Uh, at the time I was a a bit of a raver, Um, I was going out with a girl who was an indie chick so I'd kind of got the best of both worlds, I was going to raves as well as going to gigs and just the kind of these sheer massive sound systems really impressed me and I just kind of wanted to learn how they worked and Thought this is something that i want to do so yeah. I, w- I was very very reckless really i think it'd be very rare you'd be able to get a job like this now but literally i just went around every music venue in leicester i could find yeah uh, and said i want to be a sound engineer do you need a sound engineer and eventually one of them took me on board so which i was quite lucky about yeah. um so that's kind of how i got into it um, yeah. but the problem is now there's so many courses now there wasn't really courses in those days to learn to do to be a sound engineer as such you could go and do a music course and learn how to be a musician but to be a techie was uh, quite rare really um, certainly not in Leicester or the surrounding mm. areas and
2: even so when I used to teach them, it was more about recording engineers rather than than live life. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah yeah but I honestly believe I mean it's great learning to be a recording engineer but Recording studios don't exist if there aren't bands playing live concerts and playing live. Yeah, that's kind of the, the bread and butter of it, isn't it? Really, you do that first. You learn to play live first, and then maybe you'll get taken up by a record company and you'll make a record and you have a record deal. Yeah, but you need to be able to play live first, um, and you know the technology has moved on so much in the last thirty years. So it's, it's been quite an interesting ride, you know.
0: Excellent. And what was the venue then? You said you've been around all the venues. Which venue was it? Uh, was it
3: was, uh, first of all, it was the Shed in Leicester. Right. So I started working <coughs> there. The only reason I got a the job there was because I got previous experience working behind a bar as a barman um, and I could pull pints. And Kev, who ran the Shed at the time, uh, rang me and said, I, I, I see that you've dropped your CV in. We don't need a sound engineer, but we do need a bar staff, desperately. Right. Can you come and work behind the bar? And eventually you know maybe you could get a bit of experience shadowing the sound engineers so i worked behind the bar pulling pints and on the quiet nights i'd go and shadow the sound engineers that were there and eventually it just it worked out that the i got a bit more experience i was starting to do a few of the the support bands and the engineers there would do the headline bands then the support bands would, were kind of upgrading and doing headline shows and they were requesting me to do the sound for them so that's how i kind of worked my way up eventually to just doing all the nights there Mm -hmm. and at one point i mean i worked at the shed for i think doing the sound for about six and a half seven years and i did every gig there and it was that was monday tuesday wednesday (coughs) thursday friday saturday matinee and saturday night so i was doing like seven Shows a night with three or four bands on each show. Yeah. So just getting loads of experience and just (laughs) getting loads of gigs under my belt, you know. And I mean, I remember the first few gigs that I did were like awful. They were really hairy. They were they sounded awful. I kind of knew how the equipment worked, but I'd never actually done a show before, so it was a bit yeah, a lot of feedback and a lot of noise complaints. But I just happened to be uh, cheaper than the other engineers, so (laughs) kept kept me on, you know. And there's only so many times you can mess things up before you get them right. And yeah. So I'm a big believer that experience is everything. You know.
0: Well, definitely, you you learn on the job. Essentially, you exactly. What you're doing by by actually applying it and, and doing the, the practice of it. Is, yeah. It's good. It's good. You're right. It's a good way to learn. So from pulling paints to pushing feeders. Um,
3: oh look at that for a slogan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you went. You went on. Like your book, mate. Yeah, yeah. that's the title of Your memoirs, book, yeah. So
0: pulling paints to pushing <laughs> feeders. You went on to work with some big artists in Leicester, didn't you?
3: I mean, yeah, I was quite lucky, yeah. So I kind of got... I was working at the shed for quite a long time, um, and then the person that used to hire the sound system to the venue... um, Decided he he had to go <coughs> on tour with a with a band, and so there was no longer a sound system available to the venue. So I ended up getting a, a business loan and buying a sound system right. and renting it back to the shed. Right. Um, and then, kind of as time went on, I'd I'd collected this inventory of equipment, um, and I just got a job um, working for a band called Shagworthy Body, who were from Leicester, who were quite a famous band in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, And that was literally from a friend of mine. Just basically rang me and 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 said, "I I'm doing the sound for Shwadi Wadi. I can't do the sound for them anymore. I've got a job in London. Do you want to do the sound for them?" Well, wow. and that was it. There was no. Um, I didn't meet them. There was no kind of try it out and see if I'm any good. It was just literally. I turned up one day to a gig, um, met them for the first time, did the sound for them, and then I was their sound engineer. You know, wow. um, and they were playing kind of. Um, big 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 biggish theatres you know 500 to a thousand people Uh, they were doing the butlins and the things like that and the 70s weekenders and stuff but it was regular work for me and also for my sound system so I did that for about six or seven years Uh, I then took a break from that it kind of fizzled out I took a break from that decided to open a recording studio did that for a few years and then more recently, I've been back on tour with another 70s revival act the uh, Les McEwen's Bay City Rollers. Wow. So, similar kind of vibe, similar kind of venues, that kind of thing. And that was just through networking and meeting them. Um, we were doing an arena tour, so it was a 70s package tour. It was um, Shawadi Wadi, Les McEwen's Bay City Rollers, uh, David Essex, and the Osmonds. Wow. So, okay. it's the real 70s around yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I met the, the basic rollers through that, got on really well with them, and same kind of thing. Their sound engineer left, they needed someone else, and it's just, for some reason, they, they decided to take me on board. So, similar, yeah, yeah. So, I've been really, really lucky, to be honest, you know, it's, it's hard to get into it now. Yeah. It's really hard to get into it now because there are so many sound engineers, because there's courses, there's so many people finishing university, and there's only a certain amount of jobs. That's strange, yeah. uh, So it's very different when I started. It was easy to get work, but now it's really hard to get work unless you've got loads of experience, which luckily I have got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: also a testament to your ability. I mean, these these acts you've mentioned are, are big names, you know, or they were big names. Um, so the fact that they're, they're getting you involved and getting you to do the sound for them. It's a lot of not just luck, but I think a lot of it is to do with, you know, what you can bring to it. You've obviously got the experience, the knowledge and the skill, because sound engineering, you know, nobody ever praises the engineer if the band's great, if the band's crap. It's the first and one to get blamed. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah.
3: I know that from you as a player. Yeah, now. yeah. But I mean, I mean, even now, I, I, it's been over 25 years I've been working what I consider professionally. So my main full time job is being a, a live sound engineer. Um even now, it, sometimes I'll go over to Germany with a band and do a, a big amphitheatre and do 30,000 people, and then the next night I'll come back to Leicester and go and work in one of the venues in Leicester and yeah. play one of those gigs that we were talking about earlier where there's only yeah. three people there. Yeah. So I don't really look at it like uh, one's better than the other. In some ways, it, I, you know, it's harder to do a gig in a smaller venue with less people, and I don't really kind of... Judge bands on the style or genre of the music or what the venue is. I always try to provide the same kind of service for every show I do. It doesn't matter who it's for or, or or what the music is, you know. So and a lot of the time it's it's more rewarding doing the smaller gigs. I think you yeah. Know? And I, I think a lot of the jobs that I get booked for I I, I get is not necessarily because I'm an amazing sound engineer. It's just because I'm easy to work with. I'm quite laid back i'm quite chilled out i work well under pressure so i don't i think actually that the sound and the technical part of it is like (coughs) 10 percent. you know the other 90 is people skills and and your way of working and your method of working you know and how quickly you work as well you know
0: that's that's definitely because as we know musicians and egos come hand in hand yeah yeah being able to kind of balance that and work with that yeah yeah totally and you were with you said you obviously are full time uh, sound engineer and I know uh, with COVID hit you hard obviously because work just cleared up completely. It, it was, was nuts, up. yeah. So how did you manage to get by with that? Because you were in Canada, weren't you? Uh, yeah, the, I so was, I, was I was with
3: happen? Les City basically, always, and we just started a, a tour of Canada. It was a forty day tour, and and when we went away, this COVID thing was, I mean, it was just starting to happen, and it was a little bit serious. And it was just a little bit of a joke because I remember being on the plane and and hearing about toilet roll shortages (laughs) and pasta shortages and thinking, well, this is a (laughs) bit funny.
0: Um,
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But then it really seriously hit, particularly in the UK while we were away. Um, So we'd done, I think, five gigs in Canada and there was no restrictions, um, no lockdown, nothing like that. People weren't wearing masks. We'd had two days off. So we'd done four or five gigs. We've got two days off, and we're in Toronto. We're enjoying ourselves, relaxing. Uh, there was no social distancing or anything like that had been brought in. Um, and then we came back after two days off, and we were just sound checking quite a big theatre, a thousand capacity theatre, sold out. And we'd done the sound check, and Les, the singer went over the mic just to let you know tonight, lads, the gig's cancelled due to COVID. Um and we thought, well, you know, maybe it's just in Toronto that the gig's cancelled, but yeah. then we found out the next day the whole tour was being cancelled. It wasn't until we got back that I realised like how serious it'd become in the UK, you know, in yeah. a very short amount of time. You're talking about ten days, fourteen days. Um but you so, say, Yeah, it was it was, you know, quite tough and then back from Canada and then like no work for like nearly two years, near on two wow. years, you know. So yeah, it was really hard, yeah.
0: So what did you do then during that period to keep you going I imagine that must was really hard obviously no income but then the fact is you're not getting that
3: interaction either Yeah it was quite hard I mean I've been quite lucky because my wife has got, a, a, has quite, got quite a good job um, and she was a fashion designer so she worked remotely from home so I wasn't in the position that a lot of musicians were in where they didn't have nothing coming in we had our mortgage yeah. paid and stuff like that um so you know bless her she, she she managed to sort out just paying the mortgage and the bills uh, and then during covid i was lucky enough to get sponsored by a couple of venues in leicester the Soundhouse, uh firebug and duffy's bar all sponsored me to um do some online sh- live streaming oh, brilliant. so basically i just through boredom um and a lot of other musicians were bored and stuff yeah. and I had people messaging me saying oh we've got a bit of downtime uh, would you be interested in in, in doing some remote sessions one to one with me yep. on doing sound you know so basically how to do sound for my own band how to set up my rehearsal room how to basically do a bit of recording um, so I started doing that and then a few of the venues picked up that I was doing this and the venues had got funding from the Arts Council and the Music Venues Trust right. so they got a bit of money that they'd got to kind of Distribute as such, yeah. So they sponsored me to basically do this online streaming once a week, just talking about live sound. Very similar to what we're doing now, except I was just talking to myself and hoping that people <laughs> were tuning in and listening and
2: watching. Yeah, you joined a band, didn't
3: you? And I joined a band, yeah, yeah. I joined a band towards the we'll end, get, of, we'll get back, to yeah, that, towards yeah. the end of COVID. I joined a band when the yeah. obviously when the restrictions eased up and we were allowed <laughs> to meet up, yes, yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, which has been great fun. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was quite lucky that I got that, and um, and also the the Soundhouse Leicester. Similarly, we're doing live streaming concerts. Yeah. So they were paying me once a week to come down, and we'd pre-record um, a couple of bands, socially distanced. You know. Of course. Um, um, Eyes were fully
0: tested as well. Honestly. Yeah,
3: everyone's for yeah. all of that. It's <laughs> re- when you look at back at it now, it's so odd thinking that, yeah. that you'd have to like do a lateral flow test before you went, and you'd have you'd have to make sure you had no symptoms and yeah. all of that, yeah. and we'd have to stay, you know, two meters apart while we we're working and everything. would have to be sanitised down between each act and stuff like that. I mean, one of the sessions we did with the light, uh, the house which you can still check out online on youtube actually we did oh, some great bands and some, they, they sounded great they look great someone else came in and did the video i did the sound um and it was a learning curve for us all really because we've never done anything like that before yeah. you know I'd, I'd never mix sound for, for youtube and online platforms i was used to mixing <coughs> sound through big speakers so yeah. it took me about four or five sessions to, to get it right really you know
0: again learning the job exactly
3: know. yeah 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 and I think I'm quite proud of the way they do turned out they turned out great they look yeah. great and they sound great you know and also the bands were getting paid as well because they basically what happened was the venues put in for funding from the music venues trust so the sound house for instance put in for funding for programming gigs because at the time it was when they were allowed to reopen and you can only have fifty people in the venue yeah and you had to be a certain amount of metres apart and yeah. you have to have a one way system and all of that and so they were open for two weeks they applied for a load of funding got a load of funding to put on these gigs because obviously they're not going to make money if they've only got 50 people in there they, they yeah. can't pay the artists or the credible artists to come down and play so the Music Venues Trust would make up the difference so they'd say here's I don't know for instance I mean I'm just plucking this figure out but here's a thousand pounds to put on a, a night to pay an artist because obviously they can't earn that money on the door when no. fifty people are coming in, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then two weeks later, the restrictions changed, and they couldn't open at all. So they've got all this money sitting in an account for programming gigs that they can't spend, and they yeah. can't just spend it on other things. It's got to be spent on programming. Yeah. So that's how the live streaming came about. Was we can spend this on programming by paying me to come down and do the sound. Uh, Trevor Cobb came down, who's also well known around Leicester, came down and did the video in, and then they paid the acts as well. They paid them fairly to, to do these once a week, you know. So Brilliant. it was a really good way of doing it, and yeah, it was yeah. nice. And it, was, it just kept everyone saying that once a week people could tune in every Sunday and it would premiere, and it was an exciting thing. We'd all be excited to see this thing, what it looked like on YouTube, and what it would sound like. And yeah. yeah, and the bands ended up with some good promo material. For getting, well, that's it yeah,
0: everyone's a live set yeah. filmed, you know. Yeah. I imagine it would be really good to use. But I, I watched some of these, and they were they were fantastic. They were I really think good. they were okay. Yeah, yeah no, I I they were better and okay. They yeah. were definitely you know yeah. really well done. So well done to you and the Saint House for doing that and for keeping the the live music going during during what were pretty dark times at the time.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Martin, who runs the venue as well, is a lighting engineer, so it kept him on his toes because he was, you know, doing the lights for it all, and again, it's the first time he'd done a lights for something that was going to be broadcast like yeah. that, you know, so it was good for him, and it was nice to meet up once a week, and it just yeah. kept us all sane a bit, you know, instead of being stuck in the, in the house complaining that we'd not got any work, we'd just got a bit of purpose and something to do every yeah, week, which you know. is
0: which is what was needed, I think, to get yeah. through that. yeah. And so, I mean, you mentioned you're alive, live sound engineer, but you also did, uh, you, you also had the was, was this recording she was Yeah, she yeah. In and yeah. around Leicester?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, my dad passed away about, would have been about 12, 13 years ago now, and he left me and my brother a, a bit of an inheritance, um, and we didn't really know what to do with the money we were worried that we were just going to basically piss it off the wall and spend it on booze or whatever. So um, my brother's a really good DJ. He's a really good drum and bass DJ. Um, So we kind of had the idea of we were going to set up a studio with the idea of um, he would go there and practice his DJing and and I would record a few bands. And we set it up really not as a money-making thing, just as a way of a testament to my dad, really, and something that we, instead of just wasting the money, you know, so we, um, I'd already got a little bit of recording gear, which I'd collected over the years through my PA and buying pieces of equipment, you know. So I'd got a decent computer and decent mics and stuff. And also recording was a bit... It was something that I wanted to start doing a bit more because it's completely different to live sound. Yeah. And so I honestly believe that you just need to get stuck in and do things to be good at them, you know. Um, so, yeah, we spent his money basically on kitting out an old knitwear factory, Wow. Um, above, um, there was already an existing rehearsal rooms called RPM Rehearsal Rooms, which was near De Montfort University. Mm-hmm. And I approached them originally and said, You know, you've not got an on site recording studio. Would you be interested in a recording studio? And they said, Well, we've not really got the room, but there is another floor upstairs. So, yeah, basically the money was spent majority on doing that out and fitting it out and building it and making it look nice and sound nice. And yeah, we were there for about. 5 years and then suddenly it got shut down due to fire regulations sure. for the upstairs yep um right. I, personally i i think it was more property related uh yeah. because about six months later the whole place got knocked down and there was yeah the downstairs got
4: kicked out the downstairs got kicked out as well the guy that owned the building locked him out and wouldn't let him get his equipment out right okay. he ended up having to break in to get his yeah amps and stuff. yeah
3: yeah yeah and i've had a similar experience with another studio where i moved to afterwards yeah um uh, so I, I eventually that happened. It got shut down due to fire eggs. But then I moved to another place, and there was a little bit of a hole in the market because he was no longer doing rehearsals. And it recording is not really it. It's not really sustainable. What you get per hour doesn't really pay the rates and doesn't pay for a decent engineer. So the next place, I set up some residential rooms. and So I had a a whole knitwear factory to myself this time. One floor was uh, resident rooms where bands basically booked it out for the month. They could come and go as they pleased. Uh, They had it in the day and up until 11 o'clock at night in the week. And I, I had my recording studio downstairs in the evening in the week and all weekends. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never really made me any money, but it's never cost me any money if that makes sense. So You're kinda of
0: breaking even again. Breaking
3: even always. And it's yeah. a passion for you. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice it was nice to to, to, to provide proper rehearsal rooms for bands. You know, there were really nice looking rooms, there were nice sounding rooms. Yeah. A lot of the time you go into rehearsal rooms. I mean, they were a lot better now, but when I was like a teenager starting to rehearse and going to the rehearsal rooms, you'd book a two-hour rehearsal and you'd spend the first 45 minutes trying to make all the equipment work and searching around <laughs> for, for a drum stool or a yeah. microphone <laughs> lead or something like that. Going to the in the room. Yeah, well, or you'd have to knock God. on the room next door and go, are you, are you using all your mics? If not, can we use one? Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah so I, you know, I did pride myself on all the rooms were soundproofed You know, you couldn't really hear the bands next door. They were all kitted out with decent PAs. They had nice floating floors. This was on uh, Burmore Street, just near the Leicester (laughs) City Football Club. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Where the Shawaddy Wadi -wadi lock-up is.
3: Uh, That's where... Well, at the the time, I was working with Shawaddy Wadi -wadi and they stored their stuff there as well. So it was kind of my home there. So Mm. I had my studio downstairs rehearsal rooms upstairs and then i had a big loading bay where my pa lived and all of the shawaddy waddy backline lived and stuff so i'd come and go from every gig there and load in and out for every gig it was nice it was nice little hope you know and we had some great bands there come in and go in and did some great recording sessions as well you know really proud of everything that came out of there so and you're, you're
0: still recording now aren't you? Um, I know you've got bands you've been doing recently, is it quad?
3: Yeah mostly now because I've still got all the recording equipment, um, I mostly do remote recording now so I come to your rehearsal room, set up a, a makeshift recording studio and record bands either in your rehearsal room or if they've not got a rehearsal room I normally suggest that they hire quad because they're nice big rooms and they yeah. sound good I do some recording there I, I can do live recording at venues if bands want to do a live record right. you know or, or like when we were doing the live streaming if people want to hire a videographer to come along I can come and multi-track the the band's live set Yeah, I can either mix it or they can take it away and mix it and this is where it's changed a bit since I started when I started like bands were coming to me and they were doing the whole project with me they'd do a rehearsal upstairs in the rehearsal room, then they'd come down and record with me, and then I would mix it, I'd do the overdubs and I'd mix it, but now the technology has changed, where bands really they come and they just do the drums because that's the loud bit that they can't record in their house, yet. The, yeah? Whereas yeah, the things yeah. like the vocals and the guitars, the technology has changed now where every musician really has got some kind of a recording setup, yeah. Even something rudimentary, a basic laptop and a sound card, you can yeah. get really great results out of now. Yeah. Whereas that didn't really exist when I started, you know, so it's it's a different way of doing things now. You
0: yeah, know. It is, but I still always find it's better to have somebody that knows what they're doing and can give you outside input into your, your music
3: yeah and, you know a love of production yeah yeah and it, it is but i mean back in the day when when record labels were paying for for recording studio time it'd be like 50 pounds or 100 pounds an hour which bands just can't afford yeah so to, to go for a guitarist to go through like overdubs and trying things out is a very expensive yeah. way of doing it where at home they can do that they don't have to even have a guitar amp anymore. They can just plug straight into a sound card and everything is digital. And it's so close the, the digital version of, of, of these amps and these mics. It's yeah. so close. You, you know, and I don't know. You've got to embrace these things. Sometimes I hate them because it's kind of doing me out of work. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes that. I love them. I think they're great, you know. So, it, <coughs> yeah, it's a catch 22 situation. But as far as I'm aware, there's yet to be anything is close to recording a drum set in a nice studio with a nice set of mics with a good engineer and a yeah. good console and you know it's rare to emulate that in a computer that's right and yeah. that's the
0: key thing you're right if you can get a really good drum set, you can build everything around that
3: yeah 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 and I'm, i mean normally i'm lucky when people come to my studio they're, they're impressed by the studio then they'll come back they'll maybe go away and do guitar du- overdubs uh, they might do vocals at home but uh, but they might come back and go well can you mix it or something like that yeah. so but i don't mind i'm just happy to work with bands even if it's just for an hour Right. At the start of the project yeah. if it comes out and it's a good product then i'm happy you know right. it's as simple as that yeah well this is
0: normally the, the section where we have music we're a music show um and so to touch in with what you're saying there we're going to play a song um that you you recorded this
3: this is a, lot, a live record that i made right yeah yeah, so it's, this is from when I was with uh, Les McKeown's Bay City Rollers. So for those of you that aren't really familiar w- with the 70s scene, uh, and bearing in mind I was only born in 1979, so even I'm too young for this, Les McKeown was the lead singer of, of the Bay City Rollers. Um, and then more recently, when I've been working with him, when I call it Les McKeown's Bay City Rollers, he's the lead singer going out with a session band as such. Yeah, they were a great band. Um, sadly, he, he passed away during COVID, so the band are kind of no more. They are still going out as a band, but obviously not with their lead singer anymore. Yeah. Um, so the first song that I wanted to, to share with you is, is unreleased. It's unheard. It's a recording that I made uh, straight off my mixing desk of a gig that I did with them. And it's a song that's not originally a Bay City Rollers song. Um, but it's by a band called The Honeycombs. Oh, right, okay. Okay, um, and more recently, um, it, it was a hit f- uh, for a band called The Dead End Kids, and it's a song called Have I the Right? And it's a very, very simple song. Um, it, it's a very catchy song. Um, every time that the Bay City Rollers used to play it, the audience knew all the lyrics. They used to sing all the lyrics back. There's actually an audience participation bit that you don't even have to explain that they just do, which you can right. hear on this recording. Um, and as I say, it was never recorded or, or, or really performed in the heyday of the Bass City Rollers, but you'll hear from the recording that Les says that he, he, he kind of confuses himself. He always thinks that this is a Bass City Rollers song, but it's absolutely not a Bass City Rollers Good song. Nasty. It's a simple song. It's simple verse, chorus, verse, um, and it's just a really powerful guitar-driven song, so I hope you enjoy it. This is uh, Les McKeown's Bass City Roller's version of Have I the Right.
6: Here's a song that I really like singing. Well, I like not singing them all, but in particular this one, because it was never actually a Bass hit Roller hit. It was only a big, huge hit in my head for the Bass Rollers. And every time I sing it, I think, this is definitely one of the Bass Rollers Roller songs, but it's not really. But let's pretend it is. It's called Have I the Right. Ooh. Have I the right to hold you? Yet no I always told you that we Have I the right to thrill you in no other away?
0: So that was Have I the Right by Les McEwan's basic rollers recorded live by Ollie on tour, was
3: it? Yeah, that was on tour. Yeah, yeah. That's so no one's ever heard that. That's brilliant. That's they have now. They have now.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So on top of all your,
0: uh, your sound engineering, your live recordings, your listening and mixing, you're also a musician yourself.
3: Well, I'm a drummer, so I wouldn't say a musician. <laughs> well, class that as a musician. Yeah. You're
0: a percussionist, so yeah. to speak. And you've got a number of bands that you're a part of and you've been over the years you've been in bands, haven't you? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, Always is a secondary thing to me being a sound engineer. Um, which is rare because normally people are musician first oh yeah. and then they become a sound engineer. Um, but yeah, I, I I kind of started playing drums. I guess typical of most drummers really, my mates were in a band and they needed a drummer, and they just went, you can be the drummer, even right. though I'd never played drums, and I just, uh, you know... That's the musician's uh, equivalent of, you can be the goalie. Exactly, <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that, yeah. So, I don't know, I mean, yeah, I, I at the time I was kind of working as a sound engineer, and I um, so I bought a drum set and started playing, I guess it was when I was first starting working, so I would have been about 16, 17, yeah. There. Yeah, and I played in a a grunge band in Esther called Homespun. We were like a typical kind of teenage band. We'd play the Princess Charlotte, the Shed, all those kind of, the Royal Mail, all those kind of places. And at the time in the kind of mid-90s, there was a big scene for that kind of music. Yeah, you know, Kind of Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden type. The good music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even music that I love now. I still love those bands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm just completely self-taught, really. I've never had any lessons or anything like that. Um, but I've always uh, approached playing drums from a sound engineer's perspective, if you will. So I'm not particularly technical, but all my favourite drummers that I do the sound for are good-sounding drummers. They're not yeah. particularly technical. They're just good-sounding drummers. Their kit sounds good, and and they've got good timing. You know, which is important. Which it? is very important. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't really get much of a chance to play my full drum set now. And then with you guys, I'm obviously moved. I've, I've learned this new <laughs> instrument. I've got this cajon thing and and stuff. So I've learned a different way of, of, of approaching it now, which is quite nice,
1: you know. Yeah, so as Paddy said
0: earlier uh, on, obviously during lockdown, Wally, uh, in his spare time, came came along and joined up with us, the Trimidors, Um And we've been now as a band for two years probably about that it's gotta be yeah yeah and you you, you basically learned the cajon purely for this
3: um well a little bit no i mean
0: your moonlighting is like some kind of cajon yeah
3: yeah 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 i mean i had played I, i up until recently i was in a band called the 40 hertz and that started off um with me playing cajon with a similar kind of vibe to this really where we could Uh, rock up and just play around someone's house to rehearse. Yeah. Um, But very quickly I realised that the music that we were playing didn't really suit percussion and cajon. It really suited the drum set. So with the 40 hertz, I was playing a mixture of... um, kind of raucous drunken barroom songs and 90s hip hop and R&B and, which is, and, and a little bit of Hall & Oates chucked in for good yeah. measure yeah, yeah yeah so we tried to pick the most random covers we could right. and the majority of those covers were songs that didn't have like a live acoustic drum set or percussion on them they were programmed drums yeah. and yeah. drum machines and stuff And we did our own versions of them, really. We had a male singer and a female singer. And we always tried to swap over. So on the original, if there was a male singing, it would be female singing and vice versa. Um, And that was made up very much of of a couple of musicians that had got a little bit of experience and and, and were quite well adept. But, Mm. like, you know... I didn't play that much and then we also recruited one of our friends that wasn't a musician at all it's the same old thing we went do you want to join our band you're our mate type of thing (laughs) and he taught himself I mean he's a musical genius Chris he taught himself harmonica slide guitar keyboard he sings and he beatboxes and he raps and he's taught himself all of this in the space of two or three years yeah yeah just completely self-taught from like watching youtube and stuff like that you know so yeah yeah and so we've, we've had some great gigs with them and stuff and that you know we've had some good good gigs and good festivals and a good festival band you know yeah yeah i can yeah. imagine with that kind of yeah pointed. yeah yeah because people kind of recognize the tracks oh i know this one, oh, yeah. it's all notes or mm. it's the jacksons or it's uh uh black street no diggity uh, yeah you yeah, know yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah mm. And with us, you're not
0: you're not just uh, the percussionist. Obviously, we use so many different instruments, acoustic instruments, and of so many different DIs. You're usually the go-to guy on stage when it comes to helping the sound engineers at the venue to make and it don't don't go, don't go up shit uh, creek without fit. a paddle. To right
3: speak, much yeah, 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 which yeah. Has been fantastic. I appreciate. It. We're probably quite a bit of a nightmare band. For well, I can I And mean,
2: <laughs> Andy, tall, big Andy from does the O2. And yeah, he hates us. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, he goes off not you not again. you guys again <laughs> <laughs> was it this time <laughs> yeah.
0: but to be fair you know it, yeah. it works you know we don't we don't just pick these instruments for the look of them we use yeah. them quite well and yeah, it's yeah. good to have your experience and knowledge mm. within the group um, so we're going to do another track now. You've picked another song here. Um, can you give us a bit of background about this track that we're going to hear and and why you've picked this?
3: So this song is by the Forty Hertz I've just been talking about. Um, it's uh, an original song and it was written by Lee, uh, the lead singer, who's a really good friend of mine. I forgot to mention we were at school together, so we were, right. you know I've known him since I was fourteen. I'm now forty two. You know he's a great songwriter uh, and a great musician. Um, he doesn't really go out that much and play very often, which is a real shame. He should be on the Leicester music scene a lot more. Um, He writes really good, dead, honest songs, dead, catchy songs. Um, This particular song is about uh, one day he was on a bus and he overheard a telephone conversation that a young girl was having with a friend on the phone um, about um, going to Tony and Guy's hairdressers. Other hairdressers do exist Uh, (laughs) are available available, (laughs) Uh, and uh, she had such a bad haircut that it made her cry right so this song is called Tony and Guy and it's by the 40 Hertz
4: excellent
5: My best friend cried And now he's having to wear
1: that was a silly song about Tony and Guy's
0: so that was Tony and Guy by the Forty. that's what a good track that was really I really
3: should cool. have mentioned actually that was uh, recorded live at the Western Park Festival oh brilliant, brilliant. yeah a few by, years by back. yourself again again straight off the mixing desk yeah yeah so I was playing uh, and doing the sound but uh, I paid someone just to come and babysit the mixing desk while we played and right. I literally just pressed record and play on my recorder and hoped for the best and it came out quite well actually
0: yeah it did mm. yeah. Mm. so it did. and so uh, in terms of uh, what you're doing now, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning there, y- you're you're still working with the base roles or the legendaries? I think they're called. They're
3: called the legendaries now. I'm I'm not sure why. Uh, probably for legal purposes, I would think. I don't yeah.
2: know how it. Well, it depends who the rights to the name, doesn't it? Yeah. And if Blair's yeah. had the rights, then. I think you know. that's the
3: way it works. And the problem is a lot of a lot of the time with these yeah. icon revival acts where they were big maybe twenty oh, years were, ago.
2: It was approaching Beatlemania. It was. to call it Rollermania, Mania, and you couldn't yeah. walk anywhere without some girl with a and
3: scarf yeah. right around a wrist, or they were huge, as were oh, Shwadi oh. and all yeah, those kind yeah. bands yeah, and yeah, the yeah, rubettes, yeah. and they were massive. Um, yeah, sorry, I forgot what question you, <laughs> what you asked there. So, you,
0: you, you mentioned that little, oh, yes, yeah, so I'm still touring you're with, still with them, playing, doing that.
3: yeah, you're,
0: you're doing the uh,
3: the sound of the venues in Leicester, yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, now I'm a freelance sound engineer. I mean, I still do run a PA hire company, yeah. so I do rent out sound systems as well as really? just myself as a sound engineer. Um, but yeah, I'm essentially freelance now, so mm. I work all over the place. I, I, you know, I kind of say that my spiritual home is the sound house because I'm the main in-house engineer there. Yeah. Um, occasionally, if I go on tour, then we'll find other engineers mm. to work there. And then just after COVID, I started working down at the O2 Academy in Leicester mm. in the main room do it as a monitor engineer. Again, that's a new thing for me. For those of you that are listening, and you're not sure, a monitor engineer is the uh, sound engineer at the side of the stage doing the sound for the bands, just so they can hear themselves. Yeah, we've done some big acts. Mm. We've done some great acts down there. Yeah, we've had some great acts down there. We've well. had Yard Act down there, who are my favourite new band at the minute. Yeah, they were fantastic. We've had Duranduran down there. Skunk and Annecy, Gary Newman, The oh, Enemy. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's been great working down there and it's been a real good challenge for me yeah. doing a new thing because I'm so used to being out front in the audience and mixing the sound for the audience. So doing
2: it from the side of the stage now is a completely different kind well, of you can do both at one time. I mean, the first time I ever, you ever came to my attention it was uh, the band I was in at the time. We had the graveyard shift at one of the big sessions up at Football Gardens. and You were doing the sound... At Summer Sunday. Was it a Summer Sunday? Summer Sunday at
3: for Hall, yeah, yeah, I remember. The, yeah, yeah.
2: in a big tent, like, you yeah. know, we were on the graveyard ship, so we were the first band-on at the weekend. And you managed to do monitor mixing from, from, house, yeah, from yeah. Right the house, from right now the back of the tent. So I'm yeah. more
3: comfortable doing that, to be honest, than I am yeah. doing it from the side of the stage. Because, because yeah. I find it easier to know mm. what the bands want when I'm mm. out front. Mm. It's harder at the side of the stage because all you can hear is a goddamn drum kit
2: a lot of the time. Yeah, you it's know, we did that one. Yeah, yeah. Not even a Cajon.
3: But it just shows yeah. you sometimes all you need mm. is a brick to make yeah. it sound great. So you be, being yeah, being you as... just
2: appeared with it, and I was thinking, where the hell's he found this brick from? I don't even remember that, but <laughs> you know, it must have done the job.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so so being a, a good sound engineer does. Necessarily just mean being able to do the sound, it means being ingenuitive yeah. Uh, t- you know, and anything you can to make sure that the artist is the, happy, that it's sounds. happy, yeah.
3: yeah. I think if, if the bands are happy and the artists are happy. Then my job's really easy. I don't like to spend ages sound checking. I just like to make sure that, I, like, I do loads of gigs. I've done gigs with Joe when he's in the Brandy Thieves, and mm. we've done festivals. And you have no sound check whatsoever. You yeah. just plug in and play and go and hope for the best. Yeah. Really, I, that, I, that's my kind of thing. I'd rather mm. do that than spend hours sound checking. Whenever I'm driving back from a gig, and it, mostly I go to a gig and drive back. Sometimes, like when I was with you guys at Brandy Theory, I'd stay there for the weekend. But normally, when I'm driving back. I always think what could I have done better or what could I have learned from that gig? Yeah. I think when you, when you start to think you're at the top of your game at, then that's when you start to make mistakes. Yeah, you get, Do you know what I mean? You get complacent, don't you? I always think, and sometimes it's like, oh, there was feedback, or this monitor wasn't right, or this musician couldn't hear themselves. Sometimes it's just like, you know, I didn't put enough diesel in the van, and I got and I had to stop at the garage on the way, and, and I was late, you know. So every gig is a learning gig for me. Even now, like 25, 27 years later, every gig is a learning gig. It doesn't matter what gig it is, it's always a learning gig.
0: Brilliant. So what what have you got on currently then? What's your current projects? I know you've been doing. You mentioned uh, live recordings where you take your equipment to the, the rehearsal rooms, etc. What what current projects are you working on at the moment?
3: Um, at the minute, I've um, I've been recording a band called Octavia Wakes. Good band. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are a good band. They played with us down at Duffy's. Yeah. Uh, they're a great band, and Maya, who sings in that band, is a sound intern of mine. That's how I met her. She was doing sound experience, Perfect, uh, sound yeah. Work, uh, yeah work experience at the Soundhouse. Um, and they're like a great uh, pop punk band. Um, so I remotely recorded them at Quad um, and then they're kind of because she's uh, a good engineer in her own right. yeah, she's mixing it oh, brilliant. All, so but occasionally like only the other day she rang me and said can I have a few tips on mixing drums and stuff yeah, like. That. Yeah. So I'm doing that. Um and then other than that I've not got any recordings on at the minute actually yeah. no 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 not really no no there's, there's one band I think that you need to get on yes yes yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah well there's loads of bands I need to get on with and record yeah. but I mean, it's not It's not really something that I, I need to promote it better and push it a bit more. You like, do. I don't advertise that I do it, really. It's just if you meet me in a pub somewhere, I'll go, oh, by the <laughs> way, I can record <laughs> you if you want, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but mostly now it's just, it, I, I don't so much do uh, studio recording now uh, because I've not got my own studio anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's quite it's quite a long-winded task to set it all up from scratch every time. Yeah, so yeah, now mostly it's it's like live gigs that I'm doing now. Um, as I say I'm at the O2 and then I'm in house at the sound house I'm working for a Pink Floyd tribute called Dark Side of the Wall okay. um, which I've got a gig with them this Saturday which is quite an exciting gig because it's a lot of it's quite a big setup, right, you know, yeah. as you can imagine with Pink Floyd it's yeah, yeah, like yeah. saxophones and female vocals and yeah, big drum kits and samplers and sequences and yeah so that's quite exciting but yeah other than that just trudging along doing the same old really and, and just trying to be the best I can at it
0: Good. You're doing very well at it. So, what does the future hold then, Ollie, for for you? What have you got? Say, the the,
3: old, the age-old question is: Where do you see yourself five years from now? Five years from now. Probably doing exactly the same thing as I'm doing now, but just a bit gray with a few more wrinkles. I don't know. I'd quite like to get um, my daughter into sound because I want her to kind of take over from me yeah. and learn about it. She's not interested at all at the minute, unfortunately. <laughs> she is learning um, keyboard and singing at the minute, so she has just slowly started to get into music. She's at the age now where she likes proper bands as well, which is yeah, nice. She loves, good, yeah. she loves Easy Life and bands like that. Um but i don't know really i don't know i don't know what what the future holds i don't know because i've never really had a plan right do you know what i mean i've always just kind of my plan is just to try and earn a living out of music and whether that be doing live sound whether that be playing drums whether that be doing studio stuff i don't know i mean i think i'll probably keep doing live sound as long as my ears hold out i've been very lucky with my hearing i've got great hearing a lot of engineers that i know have lost their hearing you know and have struggled um yeah you know as long as i can still chuck my pa system into a van and drive it on tour i'll go on tour you know i would quite like to go on tour with a with a band that's not like a revival type act i'd like to go on tour with a younger up-and-coming band okay but it's hard to find that kind of job because generally those kind of bands want to go on tour with an engineer who's younger Yes. It's, yeah. it's rare that they want someone of my age to go on tour with them. Which so. is
0: weird because you're probably younger than the legendary bands Or the are actually playing with.
3: Yeah, yes. But you're older than the. Yeah, the but I'm older band than the bands <laughs> <that> I actually <laughs> want to work with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah,
3: yeah. Weird to kind of yeah but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean as I say, I don't. I I don't really mind what acts I work with. Like, I I, I love working with all kinds of music, and it's a weird dynamic because there's certain types of music that I can't stand to listen to, but I love doing the sound for. Right. You know, and there's certain bands that I'll see and I'll go, God, I don't like this at all, but they're an awesome band and they sound amazing. You know, so it's it's a weird dynamic being a sound engineer and being able to step away from. Genres and going well. This isn't my kind of thing. Like I, I hate new metal and that kind of stuff. But I love doing the sound f-
5: yeah.
0: for it. You know, I imagine it'd be pretty challenging. Yeah,
3: yeah. But so, I, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just, I would like to. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to go on tour with a younger, more up and coming band and see them progress a little bit. You know. Yeah. But then I sometimes get that in the local venues that we play with. Yeah. Like, exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 Well. Like I say, we really appreciate you coming in. Um Thanks for having me. You've been since I've been in Leicester. Certainly, you've been a name that's has been about as the the best, or certainly one of the best engineers. That, and and uh, one may continue. I wouldn't say that. Well, <laughs> the people that say it, I value their opinions very highly. So The best uh, at pretending, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thanks very much, Ollie. That's that's really good to see awesome. you. Cheers. And, uh, thanks. Yeah, for cheers, those tracks. That was interesting, guys, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's yeah, right. still here. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> oh. right. he, did, he didn't. He didn't. sneak out like our last guest did the last time. No, right. no. He, he's he always stuck around, and he's also drinking mm, beer, yeah. of course, which, which is good. You know, it's part of the, the ethos of the show. Mm. So, what have we got coming up then, or fellas? was the, what's, of the, the show. Uh, mm-hmm. what's that?
2: Or the ethanol of the show? Or oh, the ethanol of the show, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> So any, any uh, up-and-coming events you can think of that we should maybe be plugging? We're not getting many... Uh, There's something happening on the 26th, isn't
2: there? The 26th? Yeah. This month? Yeah. yeah. That's a Saturday, I believe. Yeah, it maybe is. Maybe yeah, it yeah. Yeah. Something. Was... I think last month's guest's headlining.
0: Last month's guest. That was... Uh, Joe. uh I'm not sure. I
1: know I'm working the non Angela four. Kennedy, oh, was, was it?
5: On the... Angela, Angela Kennedy and Andy. Cavalry, was it? Mm. I, I, Carverie, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to comment yeah. on, uh, on that mm. at
0: all
4: uh, It's Andrea Kenny talking Andre token Kenny. boy talking token oh, boy, yeah. Before, yeah And she
0: was in the show, you're right She was yeah. She was our second ever guest yeah. And it was a cracking show And if you've not listened to that We do recommend you go back
3: and listen Yeah. So yeah, I've so, yet to see that band in its entirety what? But I know all of those players separately right. And they're all great players Well if
0: you combine all the greatness into yeah. one thing Yeah, I'm looking forward
3: to that one Yeah. yeah. And I
0: mean, they're, they're, they're a great band um, overall, with uh, and then the lineup on that bill itself also is also yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, not just because we we are there, mm. but then you've got additional uh, artists. Michael Wicker's is great. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and yeah. I've only ever seen him solo, right, okay. but he's great solo. Mm. So I'd be interested to see him in the band.
0: And Warren Seavon's played. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah.
3: yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's really good. Well, <laughs> Wolves of Durham.
0: Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah, yeah. what was his actual name? though Warren. Warren Island, Warren Island.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know as no,
0: don't. she's up and coming apparently. Oh, she is it? Yeah. Okay, showcase so, set. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Andrea's doing her best here to walk a couple Well, music. that's good. It's yeah. fantastic, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be a really good gig, and uh, if if anybody can make it, if we can get this podcast out in time so people can yeah. get it um, come, come on to that and as we talked about earlier and we spoke about in the last show you know venues are struggling they can't put on gigs unless they know that there's definitely going to be an attendance there because we, we can't run at a loss so we're going to lose these venues yeah. so if you're going to go to a show buy your tickets buy, ticket, buy your tickets confirm yeah. your attendance what are you waiting for yeah you know certain... and
3: can I say if you buy a ticket turn up to the show
2: yeah I because will. what i've seen I'm recently get, is a free bowl of curry, uh, chili uh,
3: that's sure yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but there's been a lot recently in the venues i've been working at where they've sold say maybe 50 pre-sale and only 25 people will turn up that's mad, that's which, mad. which 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 is really annoying for the venues because yeah. they think well we've got 50 to 100 people come in so they staff the bar yeah accordingly yeah and then if only 20 people turn up they'll yeah. Even then, making a loss because obviously they're gonna pay the, the bar, bar staff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
0: and uh, ultimately, as well, you know, if there's not enough people at the shows, Joe can't crowd surf.
3: No. I, well, that's true. So, <laughs> guys,
0: come on! You know, we've got these surfboards; they're ready to go. We're gonna do it. One one gig, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have. It's Joe... gonna be you.
4: You're gonna be the one. Uh, well I, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if people would be able to. They will. They course. will. I'll get them to do it. Right, okay. I'll, okay. I'll get them all g right, Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: looking forward to that day. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, I- yeah, <laughs> not as much as the people are going to be holding me up, but but yeah, anyway, guys, so there's been a, it's been really good to speak to all, and it's, it's been good. This is our third podcast now. And, um, we're not doing it weekly, like I used to say, unfortunately, we're doing it whenever we can be arsed hmm. because let's be honest, we all work really hard and we're busy, and uh, if we put as much time and effort into practice as we did this podcast. We'd pretty much be the best fan on the planet. Anyway, Joe, you know did I ever ask, uh, say to you about it? There's a little quandary here to end the, end the show with what's the difference between me and Castle Schmeichel? I don't know, Kenny. What's the difference between you and well, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a clue, mate. It's, it's not my blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm not Norvic or Danish or whatever. He well, is, Arian. Or Aryan. Or Aryan at no. all, <laughs> at any point in time. I don't promote that, certainly, mm. you know. for those f- of you f- f- no, well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a professional football. would you believe I was not a professional football player although I did play in goals when I was a kid but that's yeah. not it
3: that's like being a drummer did, did your drummer. dad play for Manchester <coughs> United?
0: my dad didn't no, no. no. Mm-hmm. I think my dad probably he's been to Manchester but uh, yeah I think that's probably but again that's not it like oh, any clues? you're going to have to tell oh, me can. well Castle Schmeichel and I have both lived in Falkirk I've both lived in Leicester and I've both been in France recently.
3: There you go. I thought that was going to be a joke.
0: (laughs) And and now, in reflection, I'm wishing it was. It was just just a quandary, one of the story things. But anyway, guys, we really thank you for listening to those that you have done and listened this far. Tune in for our next podcast where hopefully we'll get the artists we want to come onto to the show. <laughs> 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 and we, we don't start. If not, Paddy's going to regale you with tales of the 70s, 80s and 90s around Leicester. But thanks again. We've been The Table Turbidors and we bid you adieu.